you're not faking anything. You are a gift to the world. The world needs your gifts. What you can teach, what you know, and what you can demonstrate that you're taking for granted by demonstrating that, right? And by living into it and by having the confidence to do it. And then the world came to it. your host, Anna Malikian. And before we start, please remember to visit Mindset.Zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone to access all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at Mindset.Zone. And if you want to get the free chapter of my book, Mindset Zone, please go to mindset.zone forward slash book. Today, our special guest is Daryl Stern. Daryl is known as the digital marketing Jedi, supporting experts, speakers, and authors, create impactful, emotionally driven video marketing and beyond. He has 30 years of experience in digital marketing and is a master in storytelling. I had the privilege of having stern storming session with him. And oh gosh, we generate content for a full year. It's amazing. So welcome to the Mindset Zone, Daryl. Well, Anna, I want to hire you immediately to introduce me at every one of my meetings. We're just going to have <laughs> you introduce me, right? Like before you come on, you go, and now Daryl Stern, and you just do it in that gentle voice and that wisdom. There's so much wisdom in your voice and oh, at the same you. time, so much clarity. You know what I mean? And you're hired. I want you to introduce me at every every phone call <laughs> I have. That's it. You're hired. We got a job. I take it. And that means a lot for me because you have a ton of experience. You start as an actor uh, from a very young age. You have a ton of experience in storytelling. But here in this episode, where I want to, to start our conversation is of your own personal story, because I think we can learn so much about it. Because from, from our previous conversations, I know that from a very young age, you had to learn how to thrive through loss. So can you tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about that? Well, sure. The, the first loss that I had was I came into this world on April 5th, 1971, in the middle of a snowstorm in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And I was taken away from my mother because I was having a grand mal seizure, a very bad seizure. And I recently read the paperwork, typed sheets, you know, from the 70s, from the doctors that said that my mom couldn't hold me for an entire week. Now, if you know my mom, she was Miss Lynnhurst, New Jersey, 1964. And back, you know, this is, you know, going back 50, 60, 70 years, you know, women had three choices in this world. One was to be a mom, yeah, wife. Uh, second was to be a nurse, secretary, or teacher. I had three or four choices. And my mom wanted to be a mommy. Like, that's what she wanted to be. So here I am. She carried me for nine months. And you, you know, if you have children out there, you know, Anna, your children, you know, this is quite an ordeal. And here I come and I'm, and I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. Something's yeah. really wrong with me. So my mother, uh, one of the things that first happened because of that trauma was I'm now deaf in my left ear, left ear. 
It's what's called a sensory neural hearing loss. It means that the eardrum works, so my balance is fine, things like that. But the uh, nerve ending is cut, you know, to my brain. Somebody cut the wire. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was because of that, they're not really sure if the hearing loss happened at birth or a little bit after that because I had a really bad ear infection. But I was actually, believe it or not, a really shy kid. Uh, And I didn't talk right away. I started speaking and then I stopped speaking for a while. And then I started speaking again. This is according to my mom, of course. So because of that, my parents decided to put me into, drumroll please, musical theater class. Now, musical theater class in the 1970s was vaudeville. The people that were 70 years old in 1973, 74, 75, well, they had been through vaudeville. Vaudeville is, hello, my baby, hello, my darling, hello, my ragtime gal, you know, all the all this <laughs> Charlie Chaplin, you know, slapstick comedy, the Three Stooges, you know, and all of the crooners, the Glenn Miller band, you know, all of this kind of the follies, Zigfield follies, right, New York in the 1930s, all this kind of overacted opera kind of stuff. So immediately I started to learn how to, let's say, you know, overact, right? Hi, we're the, okay, so also I had a black and white TV and I had this thing called the Mickey Mouse Club. Now, if you remember uh, the yes. Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, yes, I remember. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's Annette. Hi, I'm Bobby. Hi, I'm Susie. And, you know, and all this, all this cheesy stuff that I thought was, that was, that was, that was real life. That was entertainment. That was how you did it. So I go to musical theater class and, you know, comedy class and immediately it's like, hi, we're the Vern Fowler kids. Here's what, you know, da, 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 da. and that really started me to, come out of my shell and use also my imagination. Now I'm a Disney kid. I was raised on Disney movies. You can dream it. You can do it. You know, the whole philosophy of Walt Disney to just use your imagination. The other cool thing at the beginning was I got marionette puppets. There was a store in the mall called KB toy stores back when the stores were, you know, at the mall, there weren't so big department stores like Toys R Us and stuff like that. And they had these puppets, marionette puppets hanging from the ceiling. And you can go look at these up on eBay. They're still around called Pelham Puppets. They're for Britain. And I got my first one was Mickey Mouse. And the puppet isn't that tall. You know, it's maybe about two feet. You know, the, the operation of it is not that big, tall. You know, so I could hold it up here, you know, and operate it. And I would walk, march around the house as, you know, with my Mickey Mouse talking to my mom. You know, hi. <laughs> my mom would go, hey, Mickey, <laughs> yeah, what do we have to eat? You know, or whatever. And that, that was my, you know, theater, like being another character. Uh, my uncle built me a puppet stage and I started to write plays, you know, little skits. And I had the neighborhood kids and I was very bossy. Recently, we're going to go forward and backwards. I recently met a lady who's in her 80s named Jane McCarthy. Jane McCarthy taught with my mother in the Rawway public school system in Rawway. So she's known me since I was a baby. And I asked her, what was I like when I was really young? And she said, you were very serious. You know, mm-hmm. like everything was like, okay, you stand here. We're going to put on this play and dress rehearsals at three and take five, only five kids. Let's go, you know, chop, chop. And that was my thing. I always had these goals. That was the beginning, you know, of me doing theater. I want just to unpack this because there is lots of richness here. So let's unpack before we keep going. Yeah. You were born, you have this hearing impairment situation. 
the lack of contact that for, for you and for your mom must have been horrible that first week that we dreamed so much of things and that there was all that those challenges. But your mom seems to have been and is this incredible woman that was there for you and always, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to let this stop him to be himself and uh, she created the circumstances to help you find a way of self-expression find a way of exploring who you are and uh, you got the that thing through disney through the puppets through writing starting already thinking about storytelling storytelling is like from you the beginning and uh, from that beginning you really took that to the next level because then you became how do you, from there, you start acting? Well, I think we're acting from the day we're, that we're born, right? We cry and we have a fit until our mom gives us a milk, right? So, so acting, people think of that as theater, you know, that we're, but acting out is something we do from the day we're born. We cry and our mom gives us thing, and we learn that how we act gets a certain response. Mm -hmm. How we like are, it. how we present ourselves, da da da. So to me, acting is more a much more powerful world that, that's symbiotic with our human you know, life and our culture and how we interact with others as we act something out in our voice and our tone of voice and our everything, you know, do it. So my other favorite story about when I was little was I had golden storybooks and my mom would read me a story. She said I used to fit under her lap, like, you know, I sit on her lap and she'd fit on her chin. She'd read me stories and my dad would, too. So these were called golden books. They had a golden stripe on the side of them. Dumbo, Peter Rabbit, P, you know, Peter Pan, whatever. So I fell in love with a story called Peter Rabbit. And one day I went to my father and I said, Dad, get out a pad and a piece of paper. I'm going to dictate to you my one man show starring me as Peter Rabbit. And my dad, he's a philosophy professor. God knows he probably had bills to pay that day or something. He's like, what? <laughs> Who? What? What? Yeah. So he sat there and I, from memory, so here's the funny thing, I have a hearing loss, but yet everything I'm listening to, I'm paying hyper attention to and I'm memorizing, right? I'm memorizing everything. So, because I'm really listening in and tuning in the one ear that I got that works. So I dictated to him a one-man show starring me as Peter Rabbit. I had bunny pajamas with the plastic ears. They were red with plastic white ears. And he was so impressed with this that he took me to his college I don't know how old I was, three, four. I don't know. I was really young. I was really little. And he put me to that. He said, okay, my son is going to put on his own one-man show that he <laughs> wrote and produced and directed himself. This is just, and I, without a moment of hesitation, not even a thought, like I marched in, you know, and I set up my thing and put this here and I'm going to put on my play now. And that just was like the, as natural as drinking milk to me. Like it just like seemed like that's what, you know, I just was born to do or was meant to do was just to to entertain people but also to tell reenact you know great stories so that comes into, comes into play later no i love that and i love your reframing of acting acting as that action that we take yeah. to create a response and that we do that in our day to day we choose a behavior we choose an action for ourselves, for the ones around you to do something. I like that. And in that sense, acting can be very authentic. Can you speak a little bit? Because now there is so much conversation about being authentic, being authentic in the sense of feeling that we are doing the right thing in our day to day too. So A, going back to the acting, 
Mm-hmm. It's not action. It, well, it's kind of action, but not. So you act differently now on this podcast than you do when you're eating dinner with your husband. Correct. Than you do when you're in a business meeting, than you do when you're reading a book. You act differently. There's different modalities to you. So it's more of how, who you are becoming and setting yourself up in a certain situation than how you're going to behave. Oh, oh, my husband's upset. He seems grouchy today. So I'm going to change my modality, right? I'm going to change to someone who's loving and supportive, right? So we are all doing that and shifting constantly. Okay. So, so you're talking about authenticity and theater and all that kind of stuff. The authenticity in, in acting is back to the vaudeville days, even for that opera, which opera was created because of the lack of acoustics, a lack of amplification, right? Just because they could hear it, you know, because, you know, you couldn't hear it. There was no there's no electronic thing. Vaudeville, too. At least exaggerated slapstick and all that. It's a little small screen. You got to do something big. So when you're talking about authenticity in that Stanislavski and the Russians came along. Now, the Russians had been through a lot of tragedy, a lot. The Russians' story is very deep with uh, with slaughter and tragedy and all that. So Stanislavski, this Russian theater person, came up with the this method of acting where when I'm going to be a character whose brother just died, right, I'm going to go back into my mind to a time when I lost someone and pull up those feelings so that in the moment of being this brother, or this person whose brother died, I actually feel the feel the sadness. I'm actually in the sadness, and that's where when people say, "Well, oh, you're acting," you know, on camera, that's the I say no. It's a, that that art form of actually becoming someone who's really in pain, or becoming someone who's really in love with someone, but they don't love them back, or becoming someone who's crazy and murdering people or criminal or whatever it is, like all this kind of stuff. There's all this work that an actor does to really get into that, to become another person. If you know Val Kilmer, he has had awful throat cancer. There's a great documentary about him, but he started this one-man show where he is Mark Twain and does a one-man show as Mark Twain. And when he gets in all this makeup and starts talking as his character, you go, that's Mark Twain. Like, that's not Val Kilmer. You don't see any semblance of this other person. So... That becomes that makes your mind attuned to the power of pretend and pretending to be other people. Now, let's take that into business for half a second, right? Manifesting, right? I want people to pay me more money. I want people to come into my tribe more. I want more of my listeners on this podcast to go and work with me and sign up for my programs. Well, I'm going to then act as if that's already happening, right? And in that, and that shift to that language of you could be one of the many people who is working with me on, on changing your mindset uh, the same way that the people have on this podcast. And I would love to work with you on that if you're inspired by these people. It is such a fun journey to be able to do that. And the things and the love that I have and the life that I have now is something I just want to teach you. Right. And any of the tone of my voice of giving you hope and all that. But maybe that hasn't happened yet. Right. Maybe that, maybe not enough people are in your but you act like they are. You invite them as if it's already happened. That that now we're tying acting into manifesting and saying, you know, I, 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 if I act a certain way, then the world will catch up to me. I love it. If I am confident that I know I can do something, even if I haven't done it yet, 
I could sell or offer something bigger than I've ever done. And I've done this where I turned around and go, how the heck am I going to do this now? They said, yes, <laughs> like I'm a good actor or whatever. But I did. But then, you know, again, in the man thing, you, you, you do it. You just figure it out. Yeah. So this is a much deeper approach because there is that expression, fake it until you make it. But you are saying acting and make it happen. You're not faking anything. Yeah. You are a gift to the world. The world needs your gifts, what you can teach, what you know, and what you can demonstrate that you're taking for granted, like you, Anna, and the gifts that you have, and the life that you've had, and the, tra- the travels that you've had, and all these things, and the way that you worked on your own mind, you know, to think the way that you do, and to act the way that you do, right? And the things that you've manifested because of that, I mean, there's 30,000 people listening to this podcast, that's jaw-droppingly awesome, right? By demonstrating that right? And by living into it and by having the confidence to do it, right? You started this podcast, no one was listening to it. But I bet if I go back to the first one, second one, you're doing it the same way that you're doing it now because you put it up here and then the world came to it, right? You didn't start off going, hi, uh, welcome. Yeah, I'm not really sure if this podcast, if anyone's going to listen, but uh, no, you stepped into it. That's acting, And I love this because, and that is why I was wanting to do the contrast because yes, there is that common tip faking it till it make it that I don't like, but what you are proposing is a paradigm shift that I think is much more profound that if we take this approach that you are explaining of acting, of acting as we want to be, we can make it happen. And this is absolutely brilliant. So I'm talking about the flip side when you say fake it till you make it. Some people are really good at so good at creating this illusion that they could do something that they'll have people pay for it, even though they can't do it. And then they end up in a thing like the person that did the pyramid scheme that went to jail. Right. If you watch the movie about him, it's fascinating because he got so into his own fantasy and people were coming to him and saying yes and giving him all this money that he just manifested, you know, sort of acting like it worked. Even though it wasn't going to work. You know what I mean? So those people that know that they're doing wrong, obviously inside, you know that you're doing wrong. You know that you know that this is not true and you're faking it all. That's on the opposite spectrum, just like the Jedi, the light side of the force or the uh, the dark side of the force. We can we can use this towards a light and towards abundance and our gifts that we know are our gifts because our parents gave me a marionette puppet and I put on a show when I'm three years old. And today I'm putting on a show on the Internet and that's, you know, I've done it. Right. It's real. I've really done it now to the opposite side. Absolutely fascinating. And also as the connection, because now let's go a little bit back to that another thing that you said that I think is so powerful, because even the example that you use from the Russian theater connecting, they found a way of connecting through the to the loss to express themselves, to thrive through that loss. And it's a way of connecting with our emotions that allows them to express And I think the way that you are speaking about acting is a way of connecting inside and outside. Yeah, I'll give you a real example. I was I was the Baron in this play called The Three Sisters. It's a three hour play. It's about these rich oligarchy kind of people in Russia. And I played this funny character named the Baron. Now, the Baron uh, is in love with this younger lady, Irina, and she's in love with this other younger man. Well, he has this idea that maybe somehow he'll be able to woo her and all that. So finally, the younger man's duels offers him to go out in a duel. 
So this is what they did. They had a duel and they shot each other back in the day. That's the way they end their relationship. So there's a part where I'm sit, I'm talking to her and I ask her something like, don't forget to check the milk or don't forget to do something, but I'm really going off to do it. And what the feeling that came up to me was all the rejection of all the girls that I really loved that never loved me back. All this feeling of being defective and just not just not right or just not good enough for the, you know, for the girlfriend. And I didn't have a girlfriend until long after graduate school and all that. So in that moment, sitting on there on stage, when I'm saying goodbye to her, and I pretty much know I'm done for, I'm going to die. Uh, I started crying. I really, I really just, all it did, it just came out. I was in tears, like drew over that in my face because I brought up my whole life into it. Right. I brought up that whole feeling of, I love, I have so much love, but it's not being received and the pain of that in, and put it into the shell of this Baron who, you know, obviously knows that he's going to die that he's made a fool of himself once again, but yet again, you know, in the culture, of, and then there's something on top of it, it was in the culture of this, well, this is what a man does. He doesn't back down, you know, he, he'll go and, you know, the crazy things we do for love, right? I'm going to go and get shot, you know? <laughs> so that's an example of that. That's a real example that happened to me. And I saw, you know, everybody in the audience was like, holy crap, like this is really affecting him. Like he's really, there's something going on here that is the pure art of, of, of acting, he really feels something in alignment with his character at this point. And I love this as an example that you connect with your inner self and that allows you to connect in this case with the audience out there. And that mm -hmm. I think is the best way of the power of acting in that, in this expansive sense that you are, we are speaking here that I love is that you act with that connection and and because you have that connection, there is integrity, there is authenticity, and that flexes in the power that allows us to connect emotionally with others. 100%. So guess what? 99.999% of people broadcasting and making YouTube channels and blah, 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 and talking about blah, blah, blah. This is my program. Look at it. Blah, 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 blah. They're talking really fast and just to a camera, to no one. No, you know, what? guess what they're not doing? They're Connecting. not making any connection. Yeah. And that is something fascinating that I love about your work. And I think all of us, even if we don't have a, an online business or are not out there in our day to day, I think these, I always like to say that human beings, another word that we can use for human beings will be connecting beings. We are totally wired to connect and we are forgetting that most of the time. We have to connect with ourselves. We have to connect with others and we have to connect with the world that we belong. I want to tell you something fascinating. I think it's fascinating about you. Another thing I teach is articulation. When we speak on stage or speak on camera, even though I can be really emotional and tell you a really sad story, I'm still enunciating every single syllable and making sure every single syllable is right. Now, English is your second or third language, right? Portuguese. You have studied to a thing on this podcast to go, I will connect you with everyone that, you know, and you're doing every syllable. Everyone needs to do that. Now, you're lucky because you, you're doing it because I know why you're doing it. You're making sure the English is really good. But most people aren't. Most people are, if you speak it naturally, right, are not forgetting that their, their English, their speech needs to be perfectly articulated too. This instrument on our face, there's a thousand muscles in here pulling and contracting to make this human voice come out, right? 
are not bothering to exercise that. And that's another part of the actor's craft. You know, we do these silly exercises, scrunchy face, right? And then we'll make a surprise face to wake this up, to wake up this instrument, that then we can become aware of what this instrument is doing. So then we can, again, to articulate every single syllable. And that's how this, that's where this heightened awareness, this slightly heightened realism comes in, right? Where, yes, it's you being authentic, but it's you being authentic in this heightened realism of your broadcasting or your or you're making a video of yourself telling people about your pain or your life. And that's the that's the next step in it. So you have to feel it. You have to really be in it. And obviously, I always say when your business connects with something that you did when you were three years old, that's your business. Yeah. Right. When it connects to somehow to that string, that common string for me, it's theater and acting for you. It's something else. That's when it really comes alive. And in that, though. You're paying attention to everything. When I speak on stage, my mouth goes dry. I can't catch my breath. I, I At the end, I'm hyperventilating because I put so much heightened energy. It's it's better than any physical workout I've ever done when I speak <laughs> on stage, you know. And I'm about to speak, you know, in, in a week, uh, less than a week to 7,000 people. So believe me, my heart's pounding already Love uh, with it. what I'm going to say and how I'm going to act that out. Yeah, but let me unpack something that you said here, and thank you so much for the compliment in term, but I think this illustrates one of the things that we are speaking here, because we start with your own story of hearing loss. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a challenge that you face, and you learn how to transform it in an opportunity, and they open all these avenues of, of self-expression and authenticity, uh, you expressing yourself. You are referring to my accent that was a challenge in terms of communicating in a language that is not my first language. Uh, yes, I, I work on it. Yes, I'm still working on it. But it's my thing about transforming a challenge into a positive, into a strength, into an asset. People have to pay a little bit more attention to me to follow. But that is a way of grabbing their attention. So... All that, I love that. I think in our lives is the power of transforming a challenge into something that we can thrive. And what we are speaking here, that is really the power of acting, is the power of acting in this way of transforming challenges into opportunities to thrive. Correct. The other funny thing about actors is you get you go on stage. I don't have any stage fright. I can stay well, stand there in front of five thousand people and talk. But in regular social situations, or meeting a total stranger, or having an intimate conversation, that becomes harder and harder. Because an actor is kind of a loner. I'm working on my body. I'm working on my craft. I'm working on my speech. I'm working on with me and practicing with me. And then I go perform. And there it is in the performance. And then I go back into my shell. If that makes any sense. Yes. So that's what started to happen to me. I was scooter computer on Schoolhouse Rock. I worked with Howard Ashman, the guy who wrote Little Shop of Horrors. He went on to do Little Mermaid. They just redid the Little Mermaid. Yes. Little Mermaid. Uh, the guy who wrote Hamilton just teamed up with Alan Menken to write the movie, now the new movie of The Little Mermaid. So he took Howard's place in terms of writing the lyric, which is great. I mean, it's a great combination. So... I would go and be in this Broadway, off-Broadway show and then come back to fourth grade. Kids making fun of me, poking fun of me, you know, making fun of my, I used to be called duck foot. You know, I walked with it, my feet stuck out or whatever and all this silly stuff. 
And I really, it, it upset me, but at the same time, I, I had my escape mechanism, which is tonight I'm going into New York City with my dad. And when we get home, we're getting a big, one of those big pretzels from that Polish guy at the Holland Tunnel. You know, that was it. And I would get to like be with all these actors and be with all these adults and we're doing this craft. So I didn't care. And let's because I met you in an amazing event, The Secret Knock. You know now how to be out of your shell in social situations. So how did you transform mm. that challenge that you were felt more comfortable on stage that in social interactions? And now you absolutely are a master of networking and social interaction. So how did you again transform a challenge into something that you can thrive on? Got it. So there's a difference between social networking and performing, speaking, talking about the business and having a social life. So I'm talking about when I go out to a restaurant or I go out to a bar and I see some people and I might want to make friends, mm-hmm. that I become very uncomfortable with. Right. But if it's time to do my show business for my business, I light up. Right. Because I'm in that room to meet people, get them on a Zoom, you know, talk to them and have them become my clients. So, again, that's different acting. You know, I'm acting differently there than I do when I'm all by myself. Last night I was out having chicken. I live by all the dance clubs and all the funny stuff here in Scottsdale. And I was having this. The restaurant's called Hot Chick. They sell hot chicken sandwiches, spicy chicken sandwiches. And of course, these bachelorette girls are all walking around and they're trying to dance. And I was I was like, I should have gotten up and showed them how to dance because these girls didn't know how to dance. But I didn't do it. Right. I just stayed shy. I just want to kind of be in my shell. I don't want to, you know. So that's what I'm talking about. And the duality of social life versus social networking for business. Right. Mm-hmm. I become a, I'm a different kind of I'm a shy person. I'm like a, this. I think they call it an extrovert introvert. Right. Like I'm an extrovert yes. here, but I'm an introvert there. You know, these kind of situations. I know that we are going a lots of places here, but I think there are two common themes in our conversation today is how can loss become something that we can learn how to thrive and the power of acting in this more broad sense. And I want to ask you, what is your passion project at the moment? What is the thing? Because you spoke something that we have to find something when we find something that when we are really young, uh, really motivate us or what was there. And now we are doing that in our lives. It's much more powerful. So what is your thing? Tell us to the, to the listeners here, what is your passion? Well, my passion project is to help people that are an expert in their field. In other words, they really know what they're doing. And they have a little dose of this thing called ego, meaning that, yeah, I'm, I'm really good at this. <laughs> I'm better than these other people, right? And they're ready to get out there and really demonstrate that. Um, I took an auto mechanic from $50,000 a month to $600,000 a month. Uh, I worked with an international biohack franchise. They had hardly any video content out. We ended up putting out one video a day on seven platforms. I do this with this methodology called stern storming, where I go backwards through your life. I get all these things. I do want to tell you, though, about loss, because you wanted to know about triumphing over loss. By the time I was 44, I went to an endocrinologist, and the endocrinologist called me and said, you have brain damage. You have a squash pituitary gland. Now, when I was when I lost my father in 1996, that was pretty devastating to me. He was much older than me. And I was crying hysterically, blaming my mother. Six years later, my mom died of cancer. I was 
31 and I was the man of the house with my little brother in the house. We, I had no idea, you know, what I was doing. I blew all the money that I got from the inheritance in Las Vegas and, uh, you know, all, all of this stuff. And, and what it turned out was that I don't naturally make any testosterone and I don't make any HGH. So now I'm on a stringent regimen of hormone therapy and B vitamins uh, that help me balance that out. Before that, I was a, really a hysterical mess. And all of my life in the background, I would perform acting. Mm -hmm. But in the background, I would be I would be having incredible bouts with depression and just feeling that I was inadequate and defective and, and just, just crying hysterically over spilled milk, as the expression goes and all that. So the moment that I really started to triumph over that is I went back to my college the day before I turned 50 at my college, Drew University, on the wall on both sides, the President's Award in Theater Arts. And it says 1993, I won that award. I'm the best theater person at the school. And on the other side, I created a playwriting contest at the school, and I won it three years in a row. Create a contest and then win it. That's a good way to, you know, good way to win a award. <laughs> marketing. I was, pretty, I was pretty smart that way. Marketing, right? I didn't even realize I was marketing, but anyway. So what that did was that grounded me in my parents' sacrifice. They sold the four-bedroom house to pay for this college degree. They sold, they they did so much to give me and my brother like every experience that we could possibly have in this imaginative Disney World, you know, kind of fantasy world, you know, to light up our imagination from the day I was born. And I and then I said to myself, you know, I'm the best dramatic writer and the best at creating emotionally driven media, meaning that it's going to affect people emotionally. That's what I'm doing. I want you to tell a story that moves people emotionally. There's a hint to that if you look at social media. There's a little buttons underneath that say angry, sad, happy, or wow, or whatever. You know, there's little buttons. Well, that means logically, that's what my father and me, the philosopher, we need to create media that elicits emotion. It says it right there. There's the buttons. So I just look at the world in a very logical way for my father. I also started teaching a lot. I run a, a marketing mastermind. I taught 300 franchise owners how to do, you know, LinkedIn and social media and all that. I love to teach and I love to instill in people the idea that, that I know, which is my father told me, there's a few things that no one could take away from you. Things are going to happen to you. You're going to have loss. People die sick, all kinds of stuff, disabilities in your own life and all that. But no one can take away your talent your education, and your gifts. You were put here and given these God-given, parent-given, whatever you want to believe, gifts, right? So that you could use them. So marketing to me is creating more and more opportunities for you to get to use your gifts. So I ask people, what is your gift? What turns your soul on? What are you really good at? What, what did you start doing when you were a kid? You know, What's still in you from that? And how does that manifest itself today? And how can we create situations and reverse engineer? So we're telling people, are you frustrated? Because you can't. Do what yeah. you do, right? Do you hope that you could do that? What if you know I could I could help you? I, I used to I was like you, but now I I broke through. Let me help you. You know, people talk about money and making money and six figures and blah, 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 and that's bullshit. The money doesn't matter. The money flows when you are using your gifts to help others. They don't have your gifts, you don't have their gifts, and that makes community. Human beings can't live out outside the womb. They have to have their mother. We're immediately dependent on another living thing to survive. We still are. And in this idea of independence, yeah, I do it on my own, is bullshit. You are living a mansion by yourself, you know, okay, I guess, you know, but but really the magic is when somebody else lines up and they say, thank you, 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 you saved my life. 
or thank you. You know, my business is thriving now because of what you taught me. And that's why we're here. Wow. Connecting, connecting and connecting. Oh, okay. So where I'm, I, I will keep going for hours with you that I have to end this episode, but where people can learn more about you, learning more of your wisdom. Sure. So if you sign up at sternstorming.com, uh, I send you a bunch of videos and give you some inspiration and some lessons. If you want to check out my marketing agency, the fastest in the world at creating emotional videos, that's at stern.marketing. And if you want to learn from me, you go to sternmarketing.academy and that's where my classes are, my sternstorming and all that. And I will make sure that all those links are in the show notes of this episode. Thank you. Thank you for your time, for your wisdom. I love this. I love it. There's nothing more exciting than an extremely intellectual conversation where you really get to talk to someone. And Anna, you're one of the most intellectual, spiritual, like you're way up there on the human scale. So it's great to really open up to you because you're so wise, you know, in the questions that you're asking me and where you're leading me to. So thank you. Let's do a part two. Yes, let's do it. Thanks. Thank you for listening. And remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. And if you want to get a free chapter of my book, Mindset Zone, please go to mindset.zone forward slash book. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world. <laughs>